on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. What can I possibly do for myself in that situation? I mean, I'm a big self-care proponent. That's what my whole business is based right. on. <laughs> and so changing the word from mental health that does have a strong negative connotation to brain health. There is good stress. It forces us into action. Biologically, there is a reason that we have stress and it can be used to our benefit. You know, take a selfie and I want you to act like you're at the driver's license place where they've just told you not to <laughs> smile, right? team it's me your old friend rich Rennensland, host of team building saves the world the show where i speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture on how it reflects in the world of today and today we are discussing mental health in the workplace with mental health counselor and public speaker ramona wink and the founder of find yourself boxes mallory got health but first i need to share some love with my supporters at team bonding if your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. Now, team, please join me in welcoming two women who have spent their careers not only counseling and assisting with mental health, but also speaking up and bringing mental health needs into public consciousness, Ramona Wink and Mallory Gotthelf. Hello, ladies. Thank you both so much for coming on board. That is a small group of people I keep chained up under my desk just to applaud you. But beyond that, they're really healthy. They're like very self-aware. It's good. So please, as I say, we're here to talk about mental health in the workplace. Let's start off, Ramona, with you. Why don't you just introduce yourself to my team and tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this field. Yeah, Rich, it's so nice to be with you and Mallory today. I'm a mental health counselor in West Des Moines, Iowa, and love sitting in the chair with my clients, but really am passionate about doing my public speaking because we are facing a mental health crisis. Where I am in Iowa, we don't have enough therapists, and I believe we're facing a mental health crisis in our country at large. And so I'm just so thankful for the work that Mallory does and that I do and that you, Rich, are doing and shining the spotlight on this very important subject because it really does impact us all. So if I had to boil it down, I'm just really about reaching people and, and helping them understand that mental health is important. We need to treat it like our physical health. And if we can make somebody's day today brighter by the words that we share of encouragement and wisdom and the tips that we're going to share, then we've done our job and it's a good day. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Mallory, how about you? Same question. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and especially go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, your project. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be on this call today. This conversation is honestly rejuvenating for me. My main focus in mental health was that I struggled with my mental health growing up and I wanted to find a way to utilize my pain and my story to make a difference and an impact in the world. So I initially started speaking and writing about my experiences as a way to connect with others. And then I had this business concept come to mind, this idea that a lot of people didn't know what to say or do for me when I was first diagnosed. It's not that they didn't want to help. They just didn't have the words or tools. And so I wanted to create something physical and tangible that people could send to their loved ones to say, I'm here for you. You matter. And I want to show up and help in any way that I can. So I created these boxes, self-care focus that couple products that help promote self-care and healing are also just a really powerful gesture to say I'm here for you and I love you and so I created this concept and I kind of launched it mid-COVID so we did it at a really fun time um, <laughs> so I'm very excited 
to be taking my story and spreading it and hopefully making an impact because at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it's all about sharing our story so other people don't have to struggle, especially during this time when it is absolutely a mental health crisis. Fantastic. Let's talk about the crisis, though, that we are facing. Uh, Ramona, can you give me the specifics? What exactly is the crisis that we're talking about? Absolutely. Mental health, like I said, Rich, um, impacts all of us. At some point, one in five adults will suffer from a mental health disorder. And so when I'm speaking, I always ask people to think about their families, think about their coworkers, think about their social circles. And one in five people uh, will have a mental health issue at some time. If that person is not you, um, then you're still impacted. Like Mallory's story, I've struggled myself with my own issues, but I really got into this field because my dad struggled when I was in high school and battled major depressive disorder. It was the 1980s. It was the farm crisis. And uh, my dad was struggling like many farmers and his struggle impacted my mom and me. And so, you know, when I tell that story, it just reminds me that that my life was changed because my dad was going through that. So one in five. On top of that, much thanks to COVID, we're all experiencing burnout. So a statistic that I use when I'm talking is 89% of us um, in America have experienced burnout in the last year. When I say how many of you have experienced burnout, you know, in everybody's hand, but maybe the one shy person in the room goes up, I always say I'd like to talk to you afterwards because I want to know your secret. If you haven't experienced <laughs> burnout in the last year or 18 months, you've got something that I don't have, right? Because as a counselor, I was burnt out, right? Mm. So um, those are numbers that are shocking and alarming. And when we don't have enough therapists in the chair to see people, then to Mallory's point, it becomes you know, all of our issues, because if we can just give that dose of encouragement to that person who may not get in to see a therapist, that may save a life, literally. And so I'm thankful to, to learn about, Mallory, what you're doing, because again, it's just that connection piece. And so, you know, we need more people in the chair, but we need to just be equipped with tools that we can, that everybody can use in their daily life, just to be kind and supportive and empathetic to people as they're going through life, just like we all are. Well, to either of you ladies, can you tell me what kind of burnout are we facing? I am an artist in my career choices, and we were still all facing stress, myself included. But as a business podcast, what kind of burnout can we associate with that? That's a really, really great question, a really interesting question, too. And I think part of what I'm noticing is that there's a blurred line between professional life and personal life. Mm. And part of that is the work from home culture. Part of that is the amount of technology we have where we're always plugged in at every moment. It feels like it's really hard to step away from the office, away from emails, away from these things because they're constantly in our face. And so it's really hard to set the boundary and say, I'm going to walk away from this when your boss emails you at seven o'clock at night and says, Hey, can you do this, do this thing for me really quickly? You want to be a good employee. You want to show that you work hard, but you're also then taking away from your time to recharge your battery. And so I think those blurred lines are making it really tricky for people to take the space they need to reset. And they're starting to feel the weight of that. I think that's very true, Mallory, that that line has become blurred. And especially with COVID, with with kids at home and and not in school, then working parents were having to not only do their job from home, which many of them had never done, but now they were having to be that teacher at home and and trying to monitor their their student doing the math or or the, you know, social studies or science or whatever. And so my clients tell me all the time, you know, they had to 
put on their teacher hat. And, and so that's caused burnout. On top of that, I think economics, right? I mean, I think that prices cause burnout. You know, a lot of my teachers on my caseload are saying, Ramona, I can't make ends meet. I'm going to have to get another job this summer because my teacher's salary is not going to cut it with gas prices the way they are and food prices. So there are a lot of extra stressors out there outside of the workforce that are causing us to feel anxious, stressed, burnout. Okay. We understand, of course, why this is important. We are talking about, for many people, the difference between surviving and not surviving. And if there's anybody out there, I always want to start off by saying if there is anybody out there who is considering an alternative to surviving, please reach out for help. We, of course, know the National Suicide Prevention Hotline can be reached at 1-800-273-8255. But why is this so important in a corporate sense? What is it that a business faces when it comes to mental health? I talk about this all the time, Rich. So mm-hmm. again, they're gonna that that corporate culture is gonna decrease because there's gonna be employees who, if they're burnt out, are just struggling with focus. They can't do that task that they were so able to do before. They don't want to go to the team building meeting, right? Because right. they're just sad or angry or just, you know, don't feel well physically or whatever it is. Maybe they're not sleeping. And so they're coming to work tired. So it does impact corporate cultures when people are burned out. And then that ripples all the way through the culture. And and to your point about, you know, people not wanting to be here. When I'm teaching in the corporate setting, I always say, I hope that you'll, rem- you'll hear my voice when I ask you, if somebody says to you, I don't want to be here, what do you do with that? Mm. I hope that you hear my voice saying you've got to ask some curious questions and you've got to try to tease that out because it could mean I don't want to be here because my kid is playing soccer and I'd rather watch him score that goal. Sure. Or no, I don't want to be here. Right. right. And, and that's a whole different ballgame. So thank you for putting on that number of the hotline and, and managers are having to kind of navigate those waters. And so it, it, it impacts corporate culture so heavily today. Plus, you're talking about for those people in management positions or human resources, these are heavy topics to even bring up. Mallory, I was actually reading through a bunch of articles before we came on together today, and I'm noticing that mental health is still so unspoken. Why is there still this stigma uh, around a person's mental well-being? Yeah, that's it's something that I think about often and and I'm in a space where people are regularly talking about it. So sometimes I forget how quiet it is in other areas of 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 life and I go into a lot of schools and give a lot of talks there and I think it's it starts with that early education and putting a face to what mental health challenges look like. I think our media does a really horrible job of depicting mental health challenges, mental health crises. It looks terrifying and we have events that go on in our current uh, our current culture and it's blamed on mental health and people are like seeing mental health depicted in a way where the people are are scary or bad or and i use this word with air quotes and i say that because no one will be able to see me when i say it crazy like that's what they think when they talk about mental health because those are the depictions they're receiving it's important that we put real faces and real people to what mental health challenges actually look like because if you don't, you probably don't realize your coworker ha- could have depression, mm. but they're still out there living their life in a way that you would never guess that. 
you would never notice that. And that's actually what mental health challenges usually look like. It's just your everyday person who has a private struggle. It's not necessarily this big catastrophic thing that we see once it hits its breaking point. So I think that's part of the problem is that it's not depicted properly in our, in our, in our culture. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, how many times can you switch on a, a television show at any given time? whether it's fantasy, sci-fi, drama, what have you, where the villain of the piece is depicted as somebody who's villainous because they have a mental health problem. Exactly. Hmm. So, Ramona, how can we fight this? And what can a company do to actually allow their employees to know that it's okay to talk about it? Mm -hmm. I have a couple of suggestions for that, Rich. Number one, you know, bring in speakers about mental health. I tell people all the time, um, if a company is putting their money where their mouth is and actually hiring somebody to come in and talk to their employees, then the employees actually know that they're serious, right? Because speakers don't come for free usually. And so that's a really good thing. The other thing that when I'm talking to managers is I say, you've got to model, you've got to lead the way. If you need a mental health day, you need to take the mental health day and you need to Mm. tell your team, I'm taking a mental health day because guess what? If you'll pave that way, then when they're hurting, they'll do the same thing, right? Um, And then just normalizing it, just talking about it and just helping to reduce the stigma. Thankfully, I think that our young people now are, you know, not growing up with thinking that mental health is bad. You know, a lot of kids are in therapy. We see uh, little children as young as three in our office and I'll tell a quick quick story, but I see the mom and one of my other therapists here sees the little girl and the little girl, I think is like six. And the little girl was telling her friend at school that she had an appointment with her therapist. Mm -hmm. And the other little girl said, well, what's a therapist? And the little girl said, well, it's just somebody like my mom that I can go to and really get support. And, and the other little girl wanted to fit in. And so she said, well, I have a tutor And so, but my point of that story is, is that here, this little six-year-old was telling her little friend that she was excited to go to therapy. And so I'm thankful for that. So just normalizing that in the workplace, if you can say, Hey, I'm going to see my therapist, or I'm going to take my, my child to, to the therapist or whatever, just if managers can be talking about that and normalizing that, I think that goes a long ways. Okay. So that's something that corporations can start to do. Mallory, what about the individual themselves? Because I, I, like you, also suffered from a period of my life where I was diagnosed as clinically depressed. And, you know, I even will come out and say that I had suicidal ideation at the time. And I know that the hardest thing to do was even to admit there was anything wrong to someone else. So yeah. how do we get the people who are suffering over the hump and willing to talk? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that I have definitely had to grapple with over the years. In terms of the workplace, I had to decide whether my mental health was going to be my priority Mm. or my career was going to be my priority. And not that those two things necessarily are not, you know, able to coexist, but... I had to decide which one was most important to me when I went into job interviews because I started to be very upfront about my mental health when I walked into them. I was like, I am choosing to set the precedent here that my mental health comes first and Mm. that I might have to leave once a week to go to therapy because this is the way I'm going to be a productive worker. And it was hard. There were jobs where like, I think they were not interested in me as a candidate moving forward. I can't say for sure, but there was definitely that fear that maybe that's why they didn't choose me. But I did find a company prior to me starting my business 
that did very much accept me for that. And they said, great, we'll work out a schedule for you. Well, if you need to leave during the day, you can come back and just make up the work in whatever way you see fit. And that to me helped me realize that as an individual, you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. If that company's culture is not gonna be accepting of your mental health, that's not a place you wanna work anyway because you know you're not gonna thrive there. And so I think, I know it's really difficult to start that conversation, but if you kind of flip that switch and say, okay, I'm in a position of power here, I'm making a decision for my own health, that puts you in a role where you feel empowered and you have choices and opportunities there. So I think if you're open to doing it, it's a good first step as on the employee level to changing a culture in a company. And I think that's really, really a powerful experience to have. Fantastic. Yes, indeed. And applauding you and the company that accepted you. Yeah. Uh, ladies, I hope you don't mind, but I do need to step away for a quick second and talk about a company I'm very proud that accepted me, Team Bonding. Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to Jeopardy and so much more, including mental wellness activities, the team bonding of activities, whether they're live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we are back talking about mental health in the workplace with Ramona Wink and Mallory Gothelf. All right, ladies, you were talking about, for a brief moment there, the we, we were talking about the pandemic, and now the pandemic is endemic. And we're looking at people starting to get back to work, even in, even in a partial way. Ramona, what are we seeing now? Yeah, some of my clients want to get back to the office. Some of them want to stay home and and, and continue that uh, remote working. And some of them are going to be in a hybrid situation. And so, mm. but whatever, you know, option they're, they're having to choose, there's some stress and anxiety, right? Because... To give you an example, a lot of people got a pet during COVID, right? And so that pet was wonderful when COVID was, you know, really going on and they needed that extra fur baby at home to give some support. Mm -hmm. um, but now we have to care for that pet in a different way. And so it can be stressful. I think also what I'm seeing, Rich and Mallory, is that we've lost some sense of knowing how to be in relationship with people. One sure. of the, the presentations that I do is called restarting the conversation. How can we share time and space and be in relationship with people that, that we don't agree um, on certain subjects? How can we do that? And, you know, when I'm talking about that, I, I say that I'm old enough to remember times when, when people could disagree and it was like having that, you know, chat around the water cooler that, you know, our, our team will get you next time. Right. I right. mean, you know, and, and it was that competitive fun spirit and now it just feels like we're so divided and, and that saddens me. And so I, I built this whole presentation on that because I think we need to, in the corporate workplace, learn how to re-engage with people and, and have a great cor corporate culture and recognize that the goal is not to agree all the time. We can be mm. authentic and, and choose to disagree, and that's okay. That's certainly not just in the corporate world, but in every day. I mean, I've, I, I can never in my lifetime remember a country that has been this divided. 
And do we think that that might have something to do with the pandemic as well, that people were feeling isolated and by being isolated decided to stay that way? I'll jump in on that just because, again, I, I've got a slide in my head that I can remember. But, um, <laughs> it, it was from the Carnegie International Peace Foundation. And I can't quote the slide specifically, but it mm. said something to the effect that the United States has never been more divided and more polarized than we are right now. And the, and the quote said that I've got on my slide, we are in very dangerous and uncharted territory. And when I'm speaking on that, I say, if that doesn't scare the bejeebies out of you, I don't know what will. But the fact remains is um, that we are very divided and we need skills and the willingness, I think, to re-engage and restart the conversation. Now, let's talk about the multi-generational workforce, because we know now that in the marketplace, you have people from the greatest generation to myself, Gen X, all the way down through the millennials who are the majority of the workforce into Gen Z. While it seems easier for later millennials and the Gen Z folk to have these open discussions, that's not always the case with the older generations. So is there a way we can actually help to bridge that gap? Or are we seeing that it's not even that big of a deal? I certainly think it is It is a big deal. And I notice things in some of the older generations, just in terms of maybe it's not even just mental health, but term, uh, things about gender identity and pronouns in the workplace and things like that. I've seen a lot of discussion about that. And I do think it just comes down to education and making it uh, something that you speak about, whether it's like, you know, when you have a team meeting, a weekly meeting, if you pick a dis like a topic of discussion and say, let's like discuss this in the workplace, where are you having trouble with this? Where can we help you learn a little more about this so it feels more comfortable? I mean, we have, you have lunch and learns, you have opportunities to expand people's minds, not just job specific skills but in a as a you know again as the culture because when you are willing to learn and expand your mind you're a better employee because you can see things from different perspectives so i think while it is challenging and i see that there are conflicting opinions about it i do think it's a discussion worth having because mm -hmm. i think there's so much that both generations can learn from one another and really bridge the gap because if you have them working together well then it's going to be an unstoppable team right there. Right. But let's say I'm now the CEO, CFO, what have you, of a corporation. Everything that we're talking about will take time and money. What's a benefit for me? How, what's my cost analysis on this? How do I know this is the better course of action for me to take? And, and, and what will I see as a result? Or should I see? Rich, I think you'll see retention. And I'm not in the HR field, but obviously I talk to a lot of HR professionals, right? And, and they tell me how hard it is to retain good folks. And so it, it costs money for corporations to lose an employee and rehire, right? And go through that process. And right. so again, I go back to my point, when that employee is seeing that CEO bring in speakers for those lunch and learns like Mallory was talking about, or, and just providing that education and, and being that person that's gonna say, I'm gonna spend money to shine the light on this subject because it's so important to our company and to our culture and it defines who we are, then I think you're gonna retain employees and that helps your bottom line. What about other cost-effective methods like insurance? We all know that if you have to, everybody's got to get insurance, but if you have to pay for the, you know, pay out for things that are occurring, that's going to cost you even more. So what about the mental health side of health are we seeing when it comes to insurance rates? I mean, my, my only thought is that 
whether your employee has mental health challenges or is just generally stressed, mm. having them utilize mental health services is only going to benefit them. And that comes back to the workplace when you are not, it's not that you can't bring your full self to work when you should be able to bring yourself authentically. But when you have to try to block out stuff that's going on in your life and it's not being worked out in any other area of your life that spills right into the workplace and that takes up time there are employees that are going to chat about that during the day so they talk to another co-worker that's that's wasting time right there they're not really working there's going to be times where they have to take more breaks they might get sick more often because when your mental health is suffering your physical health also suffers so that's more time off so if you're taking into account sure you're gonna have to pay for these services mm. but when you have happy healthy employees coming into the workplace being able to put out and put their best foot forward oh you are gonna see that come back tenfold and there are plenty of companies and, and the first one that comes to mind really is Patagonia. They're like a really good model for this. They put out this certain expectation and standard and they back it up with all these services and their company continues to see growth in revenue. And that's just one example of many companies who are taking the lead on that and making that a priority and seeing it work in their favor. To piggyback off of Mallory's point, you know, mm. um, one of my clients uh, who was a teacher actually left the district that she had taught at for many years uh, because they switched insurance and that new insurance doesn't have mental health coverage. And mm. so my client went to the principal and said, I have found another job in a different district who has better health coverage for mental health and i see my therapist every week and i've got to make that happen my mental health is a priority and she said i'm taking a pay cut to do this and so again to, to mallory's point mental wellness is so important and so when a company can say we've got good insurance benefits again i go back to my point about retention you're going to hold on to good people and are we thinking that we're seeing better health effects of the hybrid model I mean, we were talking before about how there are people who do want to go back and there are people who don't. What are we seeing largely? What I hear from my clients, and again, I think I've got a window to the world through my clients because mm. I just serve a wide variety of people, but um, people want the choice, right? My clients are are anxious and unhappy if the company is saying, you have to do this. And so if it's the hybrid model and the company is saying, we do need you to come in two days a week, but we'll let you pick those two days, then my clients are happy. And so if my clients tell me anything, that would be my recommendation for companies. If, if you can give them the choice anytime we can empower people with choices they're going to be more mentally you know sound and secure because we all want choices in life so mallory let's talk about that one person who is sitting at a desk and might be struggling what can we offer them as a way to redirect themselves or to get over the hump that's a that's a great question i think I mean, they're providing resources always is important, mm. but I think continuously doing so. I think it's one thing to post resources and say like, here, they're here and sure. never talk about them again. But I think giving them access to resources consistently and reminding them that it's good to utilize these things. I think when you have check-ins with your like one-on-ones with your employees, if you're a manager, bring it up and ask how that person's feeling and, and really ask them how they're feeling, not just in a, how are you doing? I'm good. How was your weekend? It was good. Like kind of have that conversation where you really care about the answer they're giving. Right. 
and take the time to notice if they, maybe they looked a little off, check in about that. How's your day going? How's your workload? Is everything okay at home? Whatever you feel comfortable, whatever questions feel good to ask. I think if we take the time to have that human connection along with providing those resources, mm. it's going to make the person feel more comfortable opening up. I'll say that my old boss, she would check in with me and she would be like, how, like, how is your mental health? Do you feel like our arrangement with your therapy is working for you? And she would ask those questions. And that was, that was the first time anybody had asked me such things. And do you know what? I loved working there for that fact because I felt like I was accepted here. And when I took days off, nobody was questioning them for my mental health. And when I was in the workplace, I tried to put out the best work I possibly could because I knew I was comfortable to do so. So it's, it's really opening the door and making sure people feel comfortable. And it's, it really is gonna make all the difference in how they, how they approach their work. What about some ideas about what they can do for themselves? Because I noticed, and this was more about, you know, me sitting down and looking at myself looking yeah. at my symptomology, knowing when I was backsliding and what I could do to assist myself. So let us say then, because when I'm sitting in my apartment, it's not a big deal. But when I'm sitting at a desk, it's very different. So what can I possibly do for myself in that situation? I mean, I'm a big self-care proponent. That's what my whole business is based right. on. <laughs> um, so I'm someone who... I, I plan my days around certain aspects of my self-care. Like I really do. Um, in the mornings, I try to meditate before I work, putting myself in a good headspace. I know that around two, three o'clock, I start to get really anxious about the rest of the evening and what that's gonna look like. I have a cup of tea that I make myself. And these are all things you can bring into the workplace, mm. just small ways to redirect yourself. So if you need to get up, grab that you know, hot mug of tea and take a moment to like, take a deep breath and relax for a second, do that. I'm a fidgety person. I have about 20 things on my desk here that you cannot see that are all here for me to fidget with because <laughs> I know I have a lot of anxious energy. So I'm someone that if you can figure out the, the times of day that maybe you notice you start to, to feel certain things, your mm. mood dips, you start to feel anxious, plan around those times and find outlets for them that aren't necessarily super distracting if you are in the office there are quiet ways to do little self-care things and plan those into your day so that you don't feel like oh no like that time's coming and i'm not going to be productive now like find a way to channel that and i i mean again I, that's my, the whole basis of my company so that's why i'm so big on that ramona has the mental health stigma actually improved and why if it has Yes. Um, yes, it has. I, I w I'll expand on that. But if I can offer one other technique to, sure, to your means. last question, please, and, please. And, and, um, a, a technique that I use with my clients and then I teach it to corporate people. And it sounds so simple, but it works so well. My clients would know it as Ramona's three questions. And those three questions are, what am I feeling? There you want an emotion word. What do I need? And there's a big difference between needs and wants. Right. And what can I do, right? And so I have my clients work through that. And I tell people from the stage, just like I tell my clients, I don't have your answers. It's not my job as your therapist to have your answers. As a manager, it's not the manager's job to have that employee's answers. So they'll never hear me say, what can I do for you? Because if I do that, I've stripped my client of their power. And so I also help managers know, I know you mean well, but 
the goal is to empower your employee. And so have them use those questions and keep it in the first person. What am I feeling? There you want an emotion word. What do I need? And what can I do? Right? And so that's just a very simple resource that I use. So I wanted to share that. Okay, Great. stigma. No. Yes, it's gotten better, but we still have a lot of ways, lot of ways to go. Um, there's lots of different initiatives. You know, the Make It Okay campaign. It's okay not to be okay. You see T-shirts with that um, all over. That's a, a really great way to say it's okay not to be okay. In Iowa here, we have a state initiative and um, it's the Iowa, the healthiest state initiative. And, and part of that is, is just interviewing Iowans who have struggled with mental health. My issue was, I told you about my dad, but my issue was I've suffered from an eating disorder twice. And so I got to tell my story about having an eating disorder. And then they put that up on that website and it just lets other Iowans know that functioning people in the workforce have struggled mentally, right? And so doing things like that. And then there's also another campaign really changing mental health to brain health. I presented at a community college recently and they are very big on that brain health campaign. I think it's a nationwide campaign. In fact, I know it is because right before my speech, Miss Alabama, I think, was <laughs> zooming into the call because she had heard about what this community college was doing and her platform as Miss Alabama, and I hope I've got that right. It was a Southern state that started with A, I think it's Alabama, is that brain health awareness. And so changing the word from mental health that does have a strong negative connotation to brain health that's just another avenue that people are are really working hard to reduce that stigma okay speaking of stigma for as long as i've been alive i have heard how stress is the silent killer but people still look at stress as yeah everyone has stress they have it every day can you give me exactly how bad stress is for someone and what it can actually lead to. Stress can lead to, you know, other uh, mental or brain health issues, right? Stress can lead to anxiety. Stress can lead to depression. Stress can lead to obsessive compulsive disorder. Stress can certainly lead to panic attacks and stress can lead to suicide. So I think that people need to really ramp up their self-care like Mallory is talking about and, and getting a baseline of their stress, right? Um, what does, cause we're all going to have stress, right? I don't think that we can go through a day and be stress totally stress-free, right? right. That we're going to have a flat tire, the car's not going to start or a kid gets sick or whatever it is, but, but have a baseline of when things are really good and then have a way to monitor that. And then like Mallory said, have some great things in your toolbox that you can pull out to say, this is what I'm going to use today. Self-care is a big one, like Mallory talks about, to say, I'm going to reduce my stress and I'm going to keep it at that manageable level. But yeah, stress can be a killer. As a corporation, how can I identify stress? And how can I help those employees that I know are undergoing it? Like we all know when you're coming up for a big project that has to be finished or you're coming to, you know, the, the end of the second quarter where you haven't met quotas. It's stressful for all. Mallory, I'll give this one to you. How do I then make sure my people are okay? And that's a big one, especially and I and this when I think of quarterly quotas and mm -hmm. when when there's stuff on the line that really does affect the business and it is crunch time. And I think I want to first differentiate that there is a, there is good stress. Stress does actually it forces us into action. Biologically, there is a reason that we have stress, and it can be used to our benefit. It's when we our body is in a constant state of stress when we have chronic stress. And we're never letting our body, our like 
our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system do their job and we're never taking ourselves out of stress, that's when it really becomes the problem because we're never in a relaxed state. So that's when we're more prone to getting sick. We're more prone to having both physical and mental health challenges. Okay. So I think in terms of managing stress, we have to find, we have to take the time again. I'm big on checking in with your employees. Sometimes you can't change the situation, but sometimes it's good to talk about it and let us all kind of collaborate. Sometimes it's thinking about how can we manage this better? Okay, our quota's coming up. How can we plan that we're gonna do X, Y, and Z on these different days? So it's not falling all on one day where you need to get all of this work done. I think having a good time management uh, system is really important. And I think also when you are noticing an employee like visibly looking stressed and overworked, tell them to go take a, I am big on the mental health walk. Go take a mental health walk around the block, come back in, in a little bit. I think sometimes it's simplistic. I know it doesn't take all the stress away, but letting them know it's okay to step aside for a moment, get themselves back into a better space where they're able to then focus on things and break things down in a manageable way. It's a good way to start. I know we can't fix all of these things that are going on, but sometimes there are little systems we can put in place that make it that much easier. Yeah, even for me when I was suffering with the depression, getting up and walking was like a reset button. Physical mm -hmm. it's amazing how much physical activity just allows your brain to shut off and then you can turn it back on as it needs to. Yeah, and those endorphins. Indeed. Ooh, those are good. Indeed. Well, speaking of which, as you know, Part of what I do for a living is I get people together in teams, people who work together, who may not have had those abilities to actually sit down and talk to one another. Is there positive mental implications to having those kind of group events? Ramona, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think there are definite positive implications for that. When you can get people together, Rich and I, I this is what you do, right? But when mm. we can be together and just share that fellowship, right? And I think we live in such a fast paced world and we've been so siloed thanks to COVID and those kind of things. But when we can share time and space and just connect with one another and look people in the eye and see that smile. One thing I do in my presentations is, you know, I say simply smile more and I have people get their phone out and I say, I want you to, you know, take a selfie and I want you to act like you're at the driver's license place where they've just told you not to <laughs> smile, right? And so you take that selfie and then you take the selfie of when you smile and I say, I want you to keep these on your phone because I don't know about you, but mine where I'm not smiling, I'm like, dang, Ramona, that's what the world sees when you're not smiling. And so just offering your smile to the world, no one can smile like you can. And it is a free gift that we can, that we can give to ourselves and others. Anything you want to add to that, Mallory? Like what about isolationism? I mean, that's the one thing we try to actually fight against is people yeah. thinking they're alone. Yeah, and I think part of one of the most difficult things that I've seen with COVID is that we are feeling isolated and right. human beings are social creatures by nature. That is that is how we are wired. It's to, to be around other people. And I do think what I've noticed for myself personally is when people don't interact with me, I can be very sneaky about hiding what I'm going through. I can send a text message with four exclamation points and you will never know that I am in the middle of a depressive episode. <laughs> I mean, I try not to lie about it anymore, but there right. are times when I'm very good at that or I can put on a front on the camera. I promise you I am having a good day, but I could have come on onto this podcast and said, you know, I'm doing great. And, and I could have faked it because sure. you can't, you're not in the same room as me. You're not sharing space as me. And you can pick up on how people are feeling in that way when you, when you are with them. And so 
I think it is important that whether you are going back into the workplace or not, you're taking time to meet with people because they are going to not only is it good for your mental health, but they can pick up on things when you are not doing so well and they can reach out to you and let you know that you're not so alone. And so I think it is really important to spend that time with other people because even your coworkers who you might think don't really notice you outside of the office, Mm -hmm. when you're in the office, they do notice if something is going on and I've more likely than not, they will reach out to you and ask because people do care. What about virtually? Like you said, now we're looking at each other and we're, you know, two by three inch little squares sitting on a computer screen. How do we still reach out to those people virtually? How do we still let them know that if you're okay or if you're not okay and need to talk to me, I'm here? One thing that I try to do um, is help companies recognize the languages of appreciation in the workplace. Same as the five love languages, but really, you know, recognizing how someone in the workplace wants to be appreciated. And one of those languages is physical touch, right? And Mm. so when we're always through the screen, if your language of appreciation is physical touch, you were that person who wanted to show up to the office and give somebody a hug or you needed that hug. And now for a lot of reasons that may not be possible or appropriate, you've had to find another way. And so I was recently doing a presentation that was all virtual. It was actually global. There were people on the call from Turkey and Ukraine, even in India and and this company, which is globally based. They said, we recognize that. And we've had to just, you know, do high fives where we put our hands up and it's not just something flippant that they do really quick, but we put our hand up and the other person puts their hand up and just trying to feel that through the screen. And they did it. They demonstrated to me. I'm like, wow, that's powerful. You know, Mm -hmm. just having that sense of we're not in the same room, but I can see your hand and I can feel my own hand and I feel like we're connected. Mallory, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think the one benefit to virtual mm-hmm. is that sometimes you can do things anonymously. And so one one of my friends told me this something about one of her companies that she worked for. Um, they had this like virtual whiteboard and nobody right. could see what you were writing but they would ask questions to the group and you could be really, really honest about what was going on. Now, I guess if it's something serious, you want to hopefully be able to reach out and find the person who wrote it. But I think it was a good way that people felt more comfortable being a little more honest because they did have that, that anonymous place to kind of hide behind, which I sometimes don't love, but I think it in a workplace, sometimes not having it be so in your face gives people the space to feel like, okay, maybe I can share a little more. And and that does kind of open the door for further conversation because if a leadership team is looking at that board and saying like, here's all the things that our employees are stressed about, like let's maybe address some of these things and nobody feels targeted for that one thing. So I think there are some positives to virtual. While I do think there's, you know, it, it is difficult. I think there are things where we can be creative and find ways to engage virtually as well. Mm. Ladies, I could continue talking about this forever. It is not only such a, a, a full-bodied topic of discussion, but it's so important. But unfortunately, we do eventually have to come to an end. Before we do, though, I just want to ask individually, Ramona, is there anything we can do just to sum up for a company? Give them, give them a, a soundbite as to what they can do to help themselves help their employees. 
if you want to retain employees, shine that spotlight on mental health. There are so many ways to do that. Bring in speakers, model what mental wellness looks like. If you're a leader, take that mental health care day for yourself. Normalize it by talking about mental health and brain health issues and just be there for people. Be that person who is, has that willing heart to, to say, I hear you and I see you and I'm on this journey with you. We're in this collectively. We're stronger together than we are ever apart. Fantastic. And Mallory, for you, that one person out there who is still hiding in the shadows of their mental illness, what would you say to them? It may take time, but do it at your own pace and know that when you are ready to open up, there are so many resources and people out there who want to listen. It, It may be a difficult journey. It may have its ups and downs, but when you are ready to reach out and get that help, oh, there are so many people who can't wait to see what you do with your life with all that you're going to gain along that journey. So sending all of my hope that you do reach out to someone today if that person is you. And please always remember, if you are at the darkest points where you're asking these very serious questions about what tomorrow may or may not look like for you, always know you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. That number again, one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. As for me, my team, I hope that each and every one of you is doing well today and remembers just how special you are to me, if not to everybody else in the world and in your life. Ladies, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for coming on board, Mallory, for your bravery of discussing your own personal journey, and Ramona for the work you do every day. Is there any way my team out there can get a hold of you if they want to continue this discussion with you or if they or if they need a resource? Yeah, so um, I am very public now about all the things. So you can find me on Instagram at findyourselfboxes. You can email me findyourselfboxes at gmail.com or head over to my website, findyourselfboxes.com. Hit me up on all the platforms. I would love to continue the conversation. And I'm always here to lend an ear and a helping hand to get you to the resources you need. And Ramona? You can email me at Ramona at RamonaWink.com. You can go to my website, which is just www.RamonaWink.com. And then you can also also find me on LinkedIn, which is M. My first name is Mary. So M. Ramona Wink. And I'd love to hear from you today. Thanks so much, Rich, for having us. And Mallory, thanks so much for sharing this time and space. It was great. Thank you, ladies. Once again, my team, get a big round of applause for the ladies out there. Thank you so much for coming on board. I hope you, I mean, not only were you an important, you know, bringing up such important ideas in this conversation, but I also hope you enjoyed yourself here today so speaking with us. It was great fun. Again, thank you for, for all that you do, Rich, and for oh, your team. You. And team building does save the world, and I believe it saves lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, really. Thank you. I I saw 26 minutes left and I was like, what? We've gone through that much time you know, <laughs> yep. lovely to speak with. So this, this has been truly the highlight of my day today. Oh, great. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you very much. And I hope you continue to feel that way as we go into my speed round. Yes. I enjoy my silliness. All right, ladies, once again, just to explain to you what this is, for the next 60 seconds, we're going to play a brief game together. You're going to be hearing some music. That music is exactly 60 seconds long. For the entirety of that time, I'm going to be asking questions. Now, you guys are going to be doing this as a team. So the way this is going to work is I will either ask you a question individually by name, 
or I will just ask an open-ended question. And if I do that, that means either of you can answer. The objective is, of course, to answer as quickly as you can to try to get through as many questions as you can within that 60 seconds. Our number to beat, as I was telling you before, is the brand new 14. So if you're feeling competitive, here we go. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yes, Let's have some. Ready. Let's have some fun. What's your name? Valerie. Ramona. Ramona, which of the seven dwarves is most like you? Sleepy. Mallory, what's your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, Alice in Wonderland. Ramona, name a product you love so much you're happy to talk about it. Meatloaf. <laughs> Mallory, what do you do on a rainy day? Uh, dance in the puddles. Ramona, cake or pie? Pie. Mallory, what's something you remember from kindergarten? Is, if someone made a movie of your life, would it be a drama, a comedy, a rom-com, action film, or sci-fi? Comedy. Rom-com. <laughs> uh, if you have a pet, what question would you like to ask it to get an answer? Do you think my singing voice is terrible? Why do you love me so much? If you could be great at any one sport, what would it be? Ooh, football. There we go. I'm going to count Rodeo. it. Rodeo. <laughs> Ladies, you got nine. Ooh, that is hard. That is hard, isn't it? <laughs> yes, indeed, you got what we call a gentleman's nine here on the show. Thank you again for coming on board. And thank you, my team. That's it. We are wrapping up another episode of Team Building Saves the World. If you've enjoyed this episode, whether you're new to the podcast or an old fan of the show, please be sure to share it with everyone you know. Whether they're your coworker, a friend, a family member, it just helps us to share this important information. You can find out all about us, including all past episodes, at teambonding.com slash podcast. You can also find us wherever you go to find your favorite podcasts, either Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, we will be there. And if we're not there, please message us on our social medias at Team Bond Podcast and leave us a message telling us where we're not because I want to be where you are. Plus, tell us if you liked the today's show, if you found this conversation important or uh, inspirational to you, and if you can think of a future topic for the podcast, we want to hear from you. So before we say our final farewells for this episode of Team Building Saves the World, my friends, never forget that if you are within the sound of my voice, you are on my team now, and I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team, and I'll see you next time. said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your co-workers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.